invite you to turn to the book of First Peter, our lesson today, and we have been studying uh, this uh, wonderful letter from First Peter for a few Sundays, and salvation is a great and a, a very comprehensive subject, and so um, we find ourselves here in our current study of First Peter. We're going to read verse 18 through 21. Let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you for this privilege of coming to study a portion of your word. And we thank you for all who are gathered here. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you'll speak to us so clearly. We pray that, Lord, we'll be true to your word as we preach. We pray, Father, that you will uh, instruct us and give us your word. And speak to the heart who is yet to come to faith in Christ. And help that dear soul that is burdened. I pray, Lord, that you'll give them grace. And Lord, help them. And Lord, we just want to praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse number 18. Knowing that you were ransomed or redeemed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Well, we've been looking here in First Peter, and maybe briefly what we've seen so far, this matter of salvation, it is a saving message because of the great mercy that God has caused us to be born again. We've seen that. It's also a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Also, we've been saved to an inheritance, an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and it's reserved in heaven for you. It's such a great salvation that the prophets have inquired carefully and looked into. Also, it took such great interest that angels look into this matter of salvation. Else, also, we've seen it's so great that it compels us to be holy because God is holy. Also that we are to conduct our lives in such a way that we have reverential fear of God and walk with him as our father in heaven. So now we're going to look at this subject. How are we actually saved? And there's a word that we're going to look at here. We've already seen some words that, that have popped up. We've seen the word elect in verse 1. You know, God saves all those who he has elected, all those who he has chosen. We've seen that. Also in verse 2, verse 3, we saw the word born again. Born again. No one can be saved unless they're born again. And then we had the word faith. The word faith in verse 5 and verse 7. And then in verse 8, we have the word believe. No one can be saved unless they believe in Christ to be saved. And then in verse 12, we have the word Holy Spirit. Uh, no one is saved apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And then also in verse 12, we see the words, 
good news or the gospel. No one is saved unless they hear the gospel, the saving message of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and the preaching of the cross. So now, we're going to look at another word that's very important, how God saves us. Look at verse 18, and I want to read that verse 18 from the King James Version. It says, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. Other versions use that word ransom, but most of them use the word redeem. Redeem. What does that word mean? It means to set free by a ransom price. Redeem means to set free by a ransom price or pay a price to free them. We think of that today and in the Middle East they're hostages. I think the last count I've heard there are over 200 hostages by that terrorist group called Hamas. And so sometimes when there's hostages there, there will be a demand for a ransom. Uh, to pay a certain price or certain demands to be met before they release hostages. Well, there's something else if you're into com computers. There's something called ransomware. I uh, had that happen. It didn't happen to me. It almost happened to me. I got a phone call from a guy claiming to be from Microsoft. He says, we detected a virus on your computer. Well, how did he know I had a virus on my computer? He's off somewhere else calling. And he said, I want you to go in there and type in this word. And I, I stopped just a minute. Well, hold on just a second. And I kind of did a little Google thing and found out this was a trick to put some ransomware on my computer to infect it and hold my computer hostage until I pay a price so they can release those pictures and photos of family and sensitive information. So we hear about that today. Most of the time we think about here the word redeem, it refers to slaves uh, that been sold and they're in a slave market. Someone goes into the slave market and they, they purchase an individual who's a slave and then sets them free. That's the meaning right here. Or it could be a prisoner of war and he is held and demands for a ransom or demands for certain conditions before they are released. Well, that's the message of the Bible. It's about redemption. It's God's redemption plan from Genesis to Revelation. And it's the wonderful story of salvation. God redeemed us. Now, we think of uh, that. There's one classic story uh, that is real good. And we'll just kind of tell you about it. We won't have to turn there. It comes from Exodus chapter 12. And it's a story of redemption. God's chosen people, uh, the children of Israel, they were redeemed from bondage in Egypt. They were there as a nation for over 430 years. And God sends Moses down there. Some of you familiar with this story. God sends Moses down there to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And through a great ordeal, finally... Uh, they're going to be released. But first of all, the night before the release, they are to take a lamb. It's going to call the Passover lamb because God is going to send a plague to kill all the firstborn of Egypt. To protect yourself from that plague, you take the best lamb you have. You take that Passover lamb and you brush the blood from that, shed, from that lamb, his blood's been shed, on the doorpost of your home. 
And that night, God would send a death angel, and when he sees the blood on the doorpost of that home, that death angel would pass over that house and not send death to the firstborn in that house. And so it's called a Passover, Passover lamb. And that's what they did. And so after that, then they were released. They were released from, from Egypt. And there's the picture of Jesus Christ. He is our Passover lamb. He, he paid the price, the price for our sins, because we the wages of sin is death. And Jesus paid that price. And like John the Baptist said when he saw Jesus standing there, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus is our Passover lamb. His blood, his death on the cross, secured that price, the ransom price to God. Now let's look at this thing about redemption here in verse 18. And let's think about why, why, are we, why do we need to be redeemed? What's the purpose of it? Well, first of all, he says there in verse 18, knowing that you were redeemed, a ransom from the futile ways or your empty ways of life, inherited from your fathers. And some of them might say, well, what's wrong with my father? What's wrong with the ways of my father? I thought, I thought my father and my ancestors, I thought we were pretty good. Well, there's a thing that's wrong. If you do, some of you may do a family tree. You find out your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great and all that. You follow that family tree. Keep fun. Some people, well, I go all the way back to Ireland. Or somebody says, well, I go all the way back to France or whatever. You follow that family tree, it goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. And Adam sinned in that Garden of Eden. And because of Adam's sin, we all inherited something. We got a bad virus. It's a deadly virus. I tell you what, it's sin. We all have that sinful nature. Now, if anybody comes up to you and says, I've never sinned. Well, you better run from that person. <laughs> We've all been guilty. We're all guilty. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so that's how bad it is. And so the purpose of redemption is to redeem us, pay the ransom price from that slavery to sin. We're slaves to sin. And we just can't help ourselves, you know. And you, know, you, do, you, you get up in the morning and say, oh, I'm going to try my best not to sin today. All right, work on that. Good luck to you, you know. <laughs> work to do the best you can. You know, one day, Monday, oh, I think I did it okay. Well, Tuesday's coming. Keep hanging there. Uh, you'll slip up somewhere. And if you don't think you are, there's probably somebody in your house who will let you know that you did. You know, we're, we're, we sin because we're sinful creatures. But Jesus came to purchase us from that slavery to sin. Uh, look in verse 14 of our text. He says, do not be conformed to the passions. Uh, New American Standard says, do not be conformed to the former lust. The former lust, which was yours. Lust. Lust, that dominates the world today. The lust of the eyes. Desiring to possess something that God forbids. All oh, those lustful desires. It goes into forbidden territory. God says don't go there. But it goes there anyway. You know. So there's that lust. There's those evil imaginations. 
You know, we read in the, in the Word of God in the book of Genesis that God destroyed the world in Noah's day because man's imagination was evil continually. That's how bad it got. And so the heart, Jeremiah tells us, the heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? So man is bad off. He is, here's one big word for you, he's totally depraved. Well, somebody said, well, I'll tell you what, I, I think I can find at least a little ounce of goodness. You know, you, you, you just kind of scrap all that goodness and that, boy, I think there's some goodness in us. But put it right next to Jesus Christ, we're still way down here. We fall short. We fall short. Human goodness. The Bible puts it this way. All our righteousness that we think that we have, all our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's eyes. You see, we're looking at it from our, our, our perspective. But when you look at it God's perspective, we're totally depraved. We're in need of help. And so the purpose is God to help us. Now, Proverbs 14, verse 12 tells us this. There is a way that seems right to a person. Man thinks he's Okay. So preacher, don't preach to me. I'm okay. A lot of people say, hey, bug out. Don't, don't bother me. There is a way that seems right to a man, to a person, but the end is the way of what? It's the way of death. So even as believers, we have remaining sin. But here's the thing about a Christian. We're not slaves to sin like the unregenerate. We've been delivered from that. Uh, there's a difference between the regenerate and the unregenerate. Uh, we're no longer under the mastery of sin. Now, Thomas Watson, the old guy, here's what he said about that. He said, he said sin in, in, a child, in, a, in, a, in a Christian's heart, sin may rage, rage in a child of God, but not reign. Sin lives in a child of God, but is deposed from the throne. It lives not as a king, but a captive. It's still there, but it's not reigning like it used to. It's been dethroned. And it's through Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 6, says, Knowing this, that your old man was crucified, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. I like that song, He Set Me Free. I've known a guy that had a drug addiction. He was been in, I mean, in a deep way. I mean, so bad, it was destroying his life. But when he found Jesus Christ, when, it, when God saved him, he found out what it was to be set free. No longer slaves to sin. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new has become. So the slavery to sin is over. It's over. So some might think, well, what? okay, that's great to hear that, but what about our status with God? Where do we stand with God? Is it such that God says, well, you know what, I, I've uh, delivered you and redeemed you from the slavery of sin, but you know what, I still look at you as guilty. So, carry that guilt. 
And a lot of Christians are walking around carrying lots of guilt. But here's the thing. We're not guilty no more. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you want to take on those guilt feelings and carry them, I'm going to be guilty now. We feel like we have to get so morbid because of our sin and help God out. You know, get rid of that. We've been set free. We've been redeemed from the slavery to sin and the guilt of sin. It's gone. The, the verdict from the Lord Jesus is this. Not guilty. Not guilty. The devil is the accuser of the brethren. Now he may try to accuse you. But if God be for us, who can be against us? God says, not guilty. Not guilty. And if the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. So if you're carrying, as a child of God, if you're carried around guilt, you put it on there yourself. Because in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've been redeemed from guilt. Let's talk about how much it cost. What was the price of redemption? What was the price? And what price did God pay for our redemption? Well, he says there in verse 18, first of all, it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold. You can't take silver. You don't have enough I don't even have silver. Well, gold, what, where's gold? I don't even know what gold looks like. You know, they're always there advertising on television. You better get rid of your money. You better buy that gold, you know. If you had all the gold in the world, you couldn't redeem yourself. You couldn't buy salvation with all the silver and all the gold. It, it won't work. It won't work. Why is that? Spiritually speaking, we are bankrupt. We don't have enough, nothing to contribute to redeem us. We have nothing to contribute to God to save us. We are totally bankrupt spiritually. Well, guess what? The only price that will pay for your redemption is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what he says in verse 19. But with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of the lamb without blemish or spot. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 7. In Jesus we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our sins. And according to his riches of his grace. Now somebody said, well you know what? I've been reading. Some of the, I was reading in the Old Testament there. You know, they would bring an animal to the temple, and that animal, that lamb, or maybe it's a uh, something in the livestock, you know, they're going, they're going to present that to God and have that priest to kill that lamb and shed that blood and uh, offer that sacrifice. Well, here's what Paul said, or the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 9 and verse 12. He says, we're not saved neither by the blood of goats and calves. Just go ahead and keep your livestock. It's not going to work anyway. Not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, the blood of Jesus. He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. It's the blood of Jesus. And those, the Bible says here, it's precious blood. Precious blood. Like a lamb without blemish or spot. That was required for those as they brought their sacrificial animal to the priest. 
They were to bring the best they had with no blemish, no spots, no defects. You got a lamb that's kind of kind of crippled a little bit right there? Well, we can't use him. Let's give that to the priest. No, it's rejected. Get the, get the best one. Jesus is precious because, listen, he is sinless. Jesus never did commit a sin. In fact, Jesus did not have a sinful nature. He couldn't have sinned. He didn't have a sinful nature, even though he felt temptation like, like we do. And so he's precious, sinless Lamb of God, holy, pure, perfect, perfect Son of Man, perfect Son of God, holy, perfect. Now look at verse 20. In verse 20, he, talking about Jesus, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you. Who is it that purchased our redemption? Here it is. It's Jesus Christ. He was foreknown. And he purchased his own blood. Now listen, it wasn't a last plan, last minute kind of plan that God, oh, I'm going to do something other. No. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. In other words, before God even made the world. God already had Calvary in mind. God already had the cross in mind. He already had Jesus picked out. He is the one who would purchase our redemption. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, speaking to the, the shepherds there, Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he what? He purchased with his own blood. Purchased with his own blood. You know, it, it didn't cost God anything to make the world. He just spoke the word. Let there be light. Boom, there's light. It's a, if you, you know, that's some beautiful nights, the last few nights. I mean, you go out like the earliest morning uh, before it was daylight. The moon was so bright. The stars, I mean, how in the world can people look at a, a beautiful creation and the heavens declare the glory of God, the Bible says. And God spoke it into existence. But when God redeemed us, it cost him, his dear son, to redeem us and to save us. Well, let's look at verse 20 now. The last part of verse 20 says, who is it that Jesus redeemed? Well, he says, for the sake of you. The people of redemption, it's, it's you. You is all the redeemed for the sake of you. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, who through him are what? Believers in God. Who did Jesus redeem? Believers in God. All the redeemed. And Peter used that word elect in verse 1. Jesus redeems all the elect of God. And who are the elect? It's all those who believe in God. All those who believe in Christ. They are the elect. There are people from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. I mean, without distinction, there is salvation, redemption for those people. Here's the thing to think about. Who he redeemed. When Jesus died on the cross... He died an actual death. I mean, he really died. And it was an actual redemption 
or another word that's used sometimes is the word atonement. It was an actual atonement. It was not just a possible atonement. In other words, God is not up in heaven wringing his hands. Oh, I just, I just hope they'll choose me. Oh, I'm worried to death they're not going to say yes to me. Well, the foundations of God is not shaking. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy 2.19. God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows those who are his. He knows those who are his. He knows every single person that are his. And so, everybody, everybody, I like that word everybody. Everybody who wants to be saved can be saved. Ain't that great? Everybody who wants to be saved can be saved. The only thing that keeps people from being saved is their stubborn unbelief. So if you have this ideal, well, God didn't pick me, so I don't guess I'll be saved. No, you're just, you just, you refuse to believe. But thank God, when you do accept Christ, you find out, well, praise God, I'm one of the elect. God knew all along. <laughs> well, I like this one right here. Listen to this. When Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant. Oh, that was, that was time for divorce right there. We're, we're not even together yet. We're not even living on the same roof yet. And she's, got a, she's carrying a kid? Well, the angel of the Lord revealed to Joseph, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you'll call his name Jesus. Now get this next part. For he will save his people from their sins. When Jesus saves, he saves completely. And Jesus does not go back to heaven disappointed. Well, I didn't get everybody. He saved every one of his people. Every one of them. He saves his people. It's not that Jesus is trying to save people. It's not that Jesus makes salvation possible for his people. No, Jesus actually saves his people. He saves his people. And that means we can preach with confidence. We can pray with confidence. We can witness with confidence knowing that Christ will save and redeem every single person that he has determined to save. He's going to save them. He will do it. Now, God doesn't save a person against their will. He didn't save me against my will. You know what he did? He changed my will. And God must change a person's will. Wonderful thing. Jesus said this. Here's what Jesus said. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will no wise cast out. The last thing I want to look at is this in verse 
21. What did redemption provide? Who through him are believers in God. That's the first thing. Believers in God. Now we've already talked about that. But listen, here's what happens. A redeemed soul becomes a believing soul. There's no such thing as a person saying, well, I've been redeemed, but I just don't believe in God. No, 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 no. If you're redeemed, you believe. He says, he says there in verse 20, 21, he says, who through him, who through him are believers in God? How, are you, how do you become a believer in God? Through him. Through him, you're believers in God. Now, if you think, well, you know what, I just, I'll tell you why I'm a believer. I, I, here's the reason why I'm a believer in God. Uh, one day, I just sort of woke up, you know, and just kind of put two and two together, and this just seemed the right thing to do. It just seems kind of like a logical thing to do. I just sort of mentally pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. I'll just believe a believe. I'll just become a believer in God. If you truly are a believer in God, it's because Jesus did a work in your heart. Through Him are you believers in God. Now, a preacher, an evangelist. You know, won't you come, won't you come like a little auctioneer. Come, I see that hand, I see that hand. Come and they can, they can manipulate people and talk to people. Uh, we, do you believe this? The sign here on the dotted line. Congratulations, now you're a child of God. Away with such stuff. When Jesus, the Holy Spirit, does a work in a heart, you can see it. You don't have to, you don't have to go camp out at their house. Well, I know she ain't getting coming to church lately. Well, what's wrong? Well, the preacher didn't shake my hand last Sunday, so I just don't think he's... No, no, no. If a person is truly a child of God, he wants more of Christ. He said, well, I don't like the music. Well, if you're looking for some... Whatever kind of music you look for, you had to go to some bar somewhere. You had to go to some concert somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm way off my notes here this morning. But here's the wonderful thing about it. The provisions of redemption of this. He makes you a believer. You can't get away from that. Then here's the second thing. Second thing. Notice what he says here. Who raised him from the dead... Gave him glory. I mean, the same God who raised him from the dead, the same God who gave him glory when he went back to his sisters, is the same God who caused you to be a believer. And then, then notice this. So that your faith and hope are in God. Now that's the evidence. Here's the evidence that you are a believer in God. Number one, faith. Faith in God. We believed God was going to help us. So I don't know. People say, well, I'll tell you, the world's getting in a bad condition. I, you know, the economy's getting bad. I mean, things are looking bad. We have faith in God. God's going to take care of us. We believe in God. We believe in His Son. We believe what His Word says. We have faith in God. And so are you concerned? Are you burdened down about things? Well, I got a bad test results when I went to the doctor. Well, Philippians 5 and 4 and 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, bring your request to God with thanksgiving. Cast all your care upon Him. Believe in God. That's one thing. Then the second thing is hope in God. That's future faith. It's all going to work out. Hope. We have hope. God's going to take care of all our futures.
God's going to take care of our tomorrows. Because you're a believer in God, you have faith for the present, you have hope for the future. He says faith and hope. And we believe that, that all things, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. We believe that wonderful promise. Hello, this is Pastor Chris Gowan. Thank you for listening, and we hope the message was helpful. If you want to reach out to us through Sermon Audio, you can email, call, or even write us using our contact information that's given on this website. We'd be delighted to help you in your walk with Christ. May our blessed Lord enrich you and yours with his amazing grace and abounding love. Goodbye.